This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That pretty much sums up Nicodemus at this point in his life. Yeshua was a rabbi, but not a person to convert to. But the Lord told Nicodemus that just to see the Lord as a rabbi come from God, that's not enough. And then the Lord uses two musts in this passage, two musts, two necessities. He says the first must is in verse seven, he said, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Above everything else, Nicodemus must have this new life from being born again. There's a second must, we didn't read it, but it's down in verse 14, just John 3.14, 3.14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The Lord had to be lifted up on the cross for healing like the serpent was lifted up, had to be lifted up by Moses for healing. And Nicodemus could only be healed when he made the Lord Jesus his sacrifice for the sins of his soul. He must make the Lord Jesus his sacrifice for sin. He had to go from, Nicodemus had to go from thou art a teacher to thou art a savior from sin. And what the Lord Jesus knew was in every man and which symbolized here in Nicodemus was pride, religious pride. A person has to understand that he's a dirty, rotten sinner before he can understand who Jesus is. Instead of John 3, 2, we know thou art a teacher, it must be Luke 18, 13, Luke 18, 13, the publican, the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, what's wonderful about the book of John is that it doesn't end here, but that we can see what the Lord Jesus told Nicodemus, it didn't fall on deaf ears. Because we can see in the book of John, a gradual change, a transformation that began to happen step by step with Nicodemus. It's wonderful. 
First, Nicodemus, he changed in that he's no longer afraid of his colleagues, of his Sanhedrin colleagues who were against, who were prejudiced against the Lord Jesus. Because then we see in John 7.45, John 7.45, Nicodemus of all people standing up for the Lord when it said in John 7.45, came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees and they said unto them, why have you not brought him? Speaking about Jesus, they should have brought Jesus. The officers answered, never man spake like this man. Then answered the Pharisees, are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people knoweth not the law and are cursed. Have any of the rulers believed on him? And guess what happens then in verse 50, John 7, verse 50, Nicodemus, the ruler, Nicodemus saith unto them, he that came to Jesus by night, being one of them, doth our law judge any man before it hear him and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. So he got this bravery, he is courageous, and then in a far more dangerous position, more dangerous than then just being an internal discussion in the Sanhedrin, at the cross, Nicodemus steps out in front of all to see, and he craves the dead body of the Lord Jesus to have the honor of taking it down from the cross and burying it. Nicodemus knew the cost at that point, but for him, it was worth it. It was worth it for him to lose his reputation, lose his future as a Jew, take his stand for the Lord Jesus. And what happened on that day? That was a great day. That was where we can see Nicodemus there before the cross, and he's remembering the teaching of the Lord. It's all coming back to him now when he remembers the Lord told him in John 3.14. John 3.14, oh, I remember uh, he told me, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, I remember, for God so loved the world. No, for God so loved Nicodemus that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, no, that if Nicodemus believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. And with that in his mind, he steps forward and he goes and takes the body of the Lord off. The religious man who had been dead understood at the cross that God so loved him that he gave his son so Nicodemus would believe in him and not perish but have everlasting life. So the religious man who thought he found the teacher went away and found the savior and the life giver. That's the first person. The second person that's held out for us of what he knew was in man is set before us as another example is the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman. She came to the well at a very strange time of day when men came to the well. She was a woman who was dirty inside from her sexual sins. This woman had had five husbands and an untold number of men that she just lived with, didn't even bother getting married. She was living with one of those men and not her husband when she came to the well on that momentous day for her. Now, we look at this woman and you see what the Lord knew what was in man. She's coming to the well, it's in the heat of the day, she's thirsty, she's thirsty. She wants water from the well, but she's been to the well before just like with water, it satisfies for a while, but then you get thirsty again. So she's getting thirsty again, she's coming back. That returning thirst, that returning to the well is what the Lord used to draw on and to say, that's like your life, that's like your life. You have gone 
from one man to another man, like going to this well. And each time with each man, there's the promise. Now I'm gonna be satisfied of the thirst within. She has a thirst to be loved, to be wanted. And each man satisfied her temporarily with the appearance of loving her, with the appearance of wanting her. But each man left her again, thirsty inside. She has a thirst to be cared for. She has a thirst to have someone take care of her, financial security. Each man gave her the appearance temporarily to care for her, to give her this financial security, but each man left her again, thirsty inside. She has a thirst for peace. She has a thirst for happiness. Each man gave her the appearance that finally in this relationship, it's gonna be different, and in his arms, her scared soul could rest At last, she was gonna have a home, a place of rest for her soul, but each man left her abandoned and again thirsty inside. Deep down, she longs for this thirst of her soul to be satisfied, and men have all left her and only made her thirst worse. And deep down in her soul, she feels so dirty. She feels so defiled. She feels like she needs to be clean. But all those men just made her feel more dirty and more thirsty inside. So with each new man, it was like she had dug a new cistern, hoping that water is now gonna be held in this new cistern that's gonna satisfy her. But she found out what Israel found out in Jeremiah 2.13. Jeremiah 2.13, when God says, looks at his people, and he says, my people have committed two evils. They have, the first one, they have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and the second evil, and have hewed out cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. God said his people have forsaken him. He's the fountain of living waters, and instead they decide to build new cisterns apart from God. Who needs God? They build new cisterns. The only trouble is, The new cisterns are all broken. They're broken from the start, so the water just runs out when they need it the most. And that's like all those men in this woman's life. The water just ran out of those broken cisterns, and all those men were not there when she needed them, just like the water wasn't there in the cistern when they they needed it the most. And so now she comes to the well. It's in the heat of the day. She's physically thirsty, and she's also soul thirsty. She sees a man whom she only knows to be a Jew, and the man does something amazing in verse seven. He says, give me to drink. He asked her for water. He asked her for a drink. It seems so strange to her because he's a Jew. He's talking to Samaritans. Jews don't talk to Samaritans, but she really doesn't know how strange that really is because she doesn't know that he's not just a Jew. He's God the Son who has become a man. And God the Son who has become a man has become thirsty and he's asking her for some water to drink. She doesn't know. He's turned water into wine. He's miraculously fed thousands. But now he's not because he's not gonna do anything that God the Father has not told him to do. Even if it meant starving in the wilderness when the devil was saying, turn the stones into bread, you can do it. But he says, I'd rather die than to act independently of God the Father, because I'm gonna live by every word that proceeds out of his mouth. That's more important than bread. So now again, he's humbled himself, and he's now the Savior who is thirsty. And the woman's amazed. 
And she asks him in verse 9, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? The, the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And she's going to learn that this Jew is going to give her the ultimate soul-quenching water of life. She's going to learn that this Jew is going to die for her sins and give her new life, the same new life that Nicodemus received from him. And then with a marvelous transition, the Lord shows her that just as he asked water from her, that she could ask water from him, and the difference would be he would give her soul water that would satisfy her deep inner soul thirst. So she agrees, and she asks, she says in verse 15, the woman saith unto him, sir, give me the water, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And then the Lord Jesus asked her to go call your husband. Where did that come from? We're talking about water. No, he knows that she doesn't have a husband. And so he says to her in verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, go call thy husband and come hither. And the woman's honest. In verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And then the Lord shows her how she must come to him. She must come this way when she wants to come to him for the soul water. Jesus saith unto her in verse 17, Jesus saith unto her, thou hast well said I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands. He whom thou now hast is not thy husband. That thou said truly. With those words, the Lord Jesus was directing her, you've got to forsake your sin. You've got to confess your sin to him. You've got to forsake it. And again, the Lord has made clear to this woman that unless she comes to the Lord Jesus as she was, a dirty, rotten sinner, which was no problem for her, then she has water to satisfy her soul. But if she doesn't come that way, no home in heaven, no friendship with God. He made it clear that just to ask for the water without confessing being a dirty, rotten sinner, it's a non-starter. It's a non-starter with God. And there are many people today who they want to receive the Lord Jesus as their Savior. They want to not go to hell, but they're not willing to come to the Lord and say, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. That's a little bit too much. They're not willing to come to the Lord and say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. But when it says in John 2.25 that he knew what was in man, this woman stands as an example of what he knew was in man, dirty, rotten, immoral, sexual sins. And the wonderful characteristic about water, since they're talking about water here, was that it not only quenches the soul, it also cleanses. Water not only takes away the thirst, it takes away the dirtiness. So the wonderful history of this woman is that she did come, and she not only confessed to him, she says, oh, you're right. Then she goes and tells the whole city about her sinfulness and that she'd found God's Messiah. She was so excited of how the Lord had cleansed her and saved her from her sins that she brought out the whole city out to the Lord, and many believed in the Lord because of her. And the result was, in, in John 4.39, John 4.39, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all things ever I did. And so when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So it appears to be there is some pride there. They didn't want to believe because she said so, but that's okay. Then we come to the third person, the third person who represents what the Lord would knew to be in man. Here's a man who was crippled. He couldn't walk in John 5, 5. He'd been in that condition for 38 years, 38 years. 
And he, what was he doing for 38 years? He's lying there by a pool of water called Bethesda. He's waiting for the water to be troubled because the first person in the water after the troubling of the water gets healed. And so for 38 years, he's had this day after day after day of just going down there, lying by the water, waiting for some man to carry him down to the water. And for 38 years, whenever the water is troubled, no man carries him. There's no man to carry him down into the water so he could be first in the water. He's watched as others have gone first, have gone before him. They were healed. He watched this for 38 years, and he continues in his crippled state for 38 years, hoping for some man to come along and carry him into the water first. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the pathetic mental state of that man sitting there in the sun and the rain for 38 years, wondering each morning with all the questions of, will this be the day? Will this be the day of my healing? Will I be the first in the water today? Will somehow I be able to struggle and get myself down to the water first? Will some man come along that will carry me there? And then finishing every day for 38 years, finishing every day with, well, today just wasn't my day. Maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow will be the day I'll get healed. And this went on and on and on for 38 years. And he was lying there, and as he lay there, he wasn't alone. He was surrounded with other crippled people, sick people. They came with the same hope. And all his hope centered on man. Some man is going to carry me down. He was relying on some man, some person who was going to have pity and carry him down to be first in the water. That was his problem. He was relying on man, not on God, just as the scriptures described in Jeremiah 17.5. Jeremiah 17.5 says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, whose heart departeth from the Lord. He shall be like a heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness in a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when he cometh, but her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, the person who relies on man and not God, he's got a deceitful heart. The heart is saying to him, look to man, man will help you. Just look to man. Boy, here comes the Irma. Here comes the Harvey. Here comes the next one. Look to man. Here we go. FEMA, man, all of them. But the Lord says in Psalm 118.8, Psalm 118.8, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Micah 7.5, Micah 7.5 says, trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter rises up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies are the men of his own house. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. So when the Lord Jesus saw that he had been there for such a long time, he asked the man a question. It seems preposterous. It seems so obvious. But he asked him nevertheless in verse 5, when Jesus saw him lie there, verse John 5, 6, John 5, 6, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, wilt thou be made whole? 
the question, do you really want to be healed? The Lord is saying, he was asking the man, how much do you really want to be healed? Even if it means turning in a new direction. That new direction was to turn away from the pool of water to the Lord Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. The man replies by telling the Lord, well, yes, I want to be healed, but the problem is, verse 7, John 5, 7, John 5, 7, the problem is the impotent man answered him saying, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool while I'm coming another step down before me. Maybe the man was expecting the Lord to say, well, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll just sit right down here with you and we'll wait together for the water to be troubled and then I'll carry you into the water. Maybe he was expecting that, but the Lord didn't say that at all. In fact, the Lord just said to him in John 5, 8, John 5, 8, Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And with that command, the Lord was asking the man, turn away from the failed confidence in men to carry you down to the troubled waters Turn to the Lord Jesus, put your trust in him and in his word. And then we read in verse 9, John 5, 9, 5, 9, immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. The same was the Sabbath. And when the man put his confidence, because that's what faith is, it's confidence. He put his confidence in the words of the Lord Jesus. He was delivered from trusting in men. Instead, he trusted in the Lord Jesus, just like it says in Proverbs 3, 5, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. He shall direct thy paths. In Isaiah 2, 22, Isaiah 2, 22, cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he to be accounted of? So this man turns his eyes upon Jesus. He turns from man to the Lord Jesus, and everything changes. So we start with John 2.25, where it says, the Lord knew what was in man. And then we learn that the Lord knew what was in man as we looked at three persons and how each one had a need that was helped by the Lord when they obeyed him. First, there was Nicodemus, the proud religious man who was spiritually dead. He came to the Lord for teaching. He left with life. He left with life as he became born again and as he made the Lord his sacrifice for sin. And he lifted up the Lord before the Sanhedrin and all the men when he took down the body of the Lord from the cross. The Lord knew that there's a little Nicodemus in all of us. There's a pride that needs to be humbled. Second, we saw an immorally defiled woman who came to the Lord for living water to make her not thirst inside again. And the Lord led her to confess her sin and proclaim the Lord as her Savior. And the Lord knew there's a little Samaritan woman in all of us, an immorality that needs to be cleansed. And third, we saw there's a crippled man. He was putting his trust in man. And when he obeyed the Lord and trusted his word, then he was healed. He was healed. And the Lord knows there's a little crippled man in all of us, a little man-centeredness, hoping for a man to get us out of our troubles, and it needs to be changed to a Jesus-centeredness to get us out of our troubles. All of this illustrates what the Lord knew was in man and how the Lord was the answer to all these needs. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for being the answer to every need in our lives. And thank you, Lord, for knowing what was in us and for dealing with it so that we can be made whole again. In Jesus' name, amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.